Happening in the news today, Foreign Affairs Minister Mark Garneau says Canada will appeal the 11-year sentence of Canadian Michael Spavor, one of two men detained in China in what is widely seen as retaliation for the arrest of Meng Wanzhou, an executive with the Chinese tech giant Huawei. Canada condemns in the strongest possible terms Mr. Spavor's unjust conviction after more than two and a half years of arbitrary detention. My thoughts and the thoughts of all Canadians are with Mr. Spavor and his family during this extremely difficult time. This decision was made after a process that lacked both fairness and transparency, including a trial that did not satisfy the minimum standards required by international law. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau called the sentence, quote, absolutely unacceptable and unjust. Meng Wanzhou, the chief financial officer for the Chinese telecom giant Huawei, faces possible extradition to the United States for charges linked to a violation of sanctions, and a ruling is expected sometime in the next few months. Spavor's verdict arrived just over 24 hours after a different Chinese court upheld a death sentence for Robert Schellenberg, a Canadian convicted on charges of drug smuggling, back to Foreign Affairs Minister Mark Garneau. Canada strongly condemns China's decision to uphold the death penalty sentence against Mr. Schellenberg. The lack of transparency in the legal process and the inconsistent consular access are alarming. The timing and the swift manner in which a retrial was ordered, as well as a much harsher sentence delivered, speaks clearly to the arbitrary nature of the death penalty issued in this case. We will continue to engage with Chinese officials at the highest levels to grant clemency to Mr. Schellenberg while the decision proceeds to a mandatory review by the Supreme People's Court. Is ongoing conversations with Chinese officials the way forward? What can Canada really do in this situation? And what should we do as we look forward? For example, the conservative leader, Aaron O'Toole, raising the question of should, for example, Canadian athletes travel to Beijing for the next Olympics for the Winter Games? Will they possibly be safe? To talk more about what Canada's options might be, I'm joined by William Mitchell, Professor of Strategic Management at Rotman School of Management. Welcome back. Hey, Alan. Thanks very much for, for the opportunity to talk with you. What really is in Canada's quiver, if anything, here in terms of reaction? So you've laid the background out really well, and um, both with Michael Kovig and Michael Spavor, uh, who were detained, arrested shortly after Meng Wanzhou was, was detained in Vancouver, um, facing what at least look like, and almost certainly are, attempts by China to play tit-for-tat, to use leverage, to uh, ask to, to for push Canada not to extradite Meng Wanzhou to the, to the U.S. And Canada really has two routes forward here. Uh, one, is with US, one is with the U.S., and one is with China. Because the underlying issue here is between China and the U.S., um, the Trump administration was sort of loud and incoherent in their opposition to China. Uh, the Biden administration has been quieter, but also tough in their, their, their opposition in pushing on China. And it's partly because of political and cultural issues. Um, the Uyghur in the west of China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, South, South, the South China Sea, 
And but the underlying issue is economic growth. China is now either the number one or number two economy in the world. It's by some measures the number one trading nation in the world, and the U.S. feels threatened. And one of the ways they're dealing with that is pushing back on a company um, that Huawei. That's a very strong international uh, um, telecommunications company. And Meng Wanzhou, the CFO, um, has been caught in that. So Canada has some potential to basically use our quiet conversations with the U.S. Uh, around whether this extradition case is appropriate. And we can do that quietly in the background. And China, in fact, has linked the, the, the Michael Spavor and Michael uh, Kovrig's um, uh, cases in their conversations with Joe Biden. Then there's what can ta Canada do directly with China. And, and this is difficult. Let's, let's just be clear from this. I mean, our first priority clearly has to be how do we protect the rights of these two individuals? And how do we get them, how, how do we help them become, get free and come home? And Canada wants growth with China. China's one of the world's major, is, is, you know, is, is, has huge growth and it's something we want to, uh, to protect, want access to. We also want to protect our social values and both at the individual level with the two Michaels and in lots of other ways um, in conversations with China. And we also want to follow the laws in the legal system and not try to turn the legal system into a political football. And we've tried to keep the hands off of the, the courts in the extradition case rather than turn it into uh, a political issue. Where, where's our wiggle room on, on that, on particularly on the extradition? Well, can't be seen to be as you as you say putting your finger on the scales of justice. But what's the play there? Well, Canada has Canada's clean-ish, but never completely clean. And you probably remember the SNC Lavalin case, in, right. the domestic case, where there were poli clearly political issues that played into choices around um, how to whether or not to pursue SNC Lavalin legally in terms of its um, its corruption cases. So there may be some room and some quiet room to, in conversations with the courts um, or, and the, the authorities in the courts to say, look, if there is any um, any ambiguity in the in the extradition case, um, make your your decision in favor of the politics. And there and there is ambiguity. This is the U.S. asking for an extradition case, treating Canada as a pawn essentially in their opposition and their their struggle with China. Okay, but game that game that out for me. Game that out for me. It, you know, the the case comes back and it's denied. The extradition is denied. What happens then? There's not a lot we can do publicly. If, oh, if the extradition is denied, denied, um, then in all in, in in all probability, Meng Wanzhou will go back to China or perhaps stay in Vancouver, and the two Roberts in all probability will come home. Right now, Robert Spavor has been given an 11 year sentence. And along with the offer of deportation or the threat of deportation, what's not clear is whether the deportation would occur before the 11 years is up or after the 11 years is up. What could very easily happen is if Canada denies the extradition to the U.S. for Meng Wanzhou, the Chinese will decide that the deportation would happen before, before the 11 years started um, and send him home for you know, Canada to deal with it during the 11 years. All right, now flip, this, flip the script because it gets a little more complicated if it's upheld, where's our wiggle room there? In the courts, not very much, uh, and there, there, you know, there may be another step forward. This is, you know, this is this is only the latest in many many extradition hearings 
there may be more, and there may be more opportunities to to look for ambiguity in those. Um, this this case is basically to decide whether there was misconduct by U.S. officials and by Canadian officials during the the detention of Meng Wanzhou. Right. So the decision that is coming is not necessarily the final one on extradition. Exactly. Exactly. This is the, the, this is one step in a, in a long process. And and, and 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 to Canada's credit, in a very public process with with lots of engagement by by all the parties that are affected. Um, in contrast, in all honesty, with with the trials in China, which have been very very opaque, and people, in fact, were blocked from from being during during being at the trials of Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor uh, on grounds of national security. Um, there may be opportunities. If if you were. Uh... A wagering type, and I'm not sure if you are. I'm just wondering what you see in the short term. Give me three months, six months. We have a couple of other points of leverage that I I hope that we're continuing. Um, one is China wants um, investment in energy, the energy sector in Canada, and it has been doing some M&As, some acquisitions of Canadian energy sector firms. And under the Investment Canada Act, the ICA, uh, Canada blocked an acquisition of Hope Bay Gold last year in Nunavut by a Chinese firm. And that's one sort of economic um, lever that we can continue to exercise. Second is Huawei itself. Huawei wants access to the U.S. market, is blocked from the, the U.S. market uh, as a way of getting a footprint in North America. It made a substantial investment in Canada, both in R&D and in telecommunication services or, or support for telecommunication companies. And it's actually an important player in the Canadian economy, and it wants approval of 5G, it wants approval for expansion in Canada. Right now, the Canadian government is holding off giving that approval, and so it does have that. It's not a huge lever, but it's an important one as part of Huawei's global growth and as part of China's global growth. We also have some leverage through international partnerships uh, with you know, economic um, challenges to, to China with the WTO, the TPP, and others. The TPP being the Trans-Pacific Partnership, WTO being the World Trade Organization, and we are, you know, we can engage with our global partners in terms of sanctions and voice and challenges to concerns about Chinese culture, social and cultural issues, and those are those are complementary. So there's there's opportunities, potential opportunities to to respect honest ambiguities in the court system, and there's potential opportunities to to put some quiet pressure on. China, both economically and socially. I mean, bottom line, of course, is the first priority is to respect the rights of the, and, and the life of these of these individuals, of the two Michaels, Michael Kovrig, Michael Spavor, and in all honesty, Robert Schellenberg as well, right. who, as you said at the beginning, um, was just sentenced to death after being sentenced to 15 years. William, always great to talk with you. Thank you again for coming on today. Thanks, Alan. That is William Mitchell, Professor of Strategic Management at Rockman School of Management.